we're going to talk about the word that this morning. Uh, we're going to spend a few weeks talking about the word discipleship. Now, I know that this is probably a word that you're really familiar with. If you've been in and around church at all, you've probably heard this word, but I think it's one of those that's so common, um, it's super misunderstood. We've kind of assumed we know what it means, and uh, and then the problem is we, we many times go, okay, I'm a Christian, I should be in some sort of, and we use the word discipleship relationship, and we have no idea what that means. We know it's some sort of spiritual friendship, but that's about it, and so we end up kind of floundering in those relationships, trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing? What is this supposed to uh, to look like? Most of the time it ends up looking like going and getting coffee with, with your Bible open, whether you're talking about the Bible or not. At least you look like you're doing discipleship at a coffee shop. That's just how you do it, right? If you're a Christian, you got to find a local coffee shop and you got to open your Bible together and you've got to look like you're having profound conversation. And that's discipleship, right? That's a joke and uh, and you can smile. but uh, But we just want to, First, so we're going to go through the next few weeks. What we're going to try to do first is we're going to try to ground that word disciple in the scriptures. Because here's the deal. It's, it's a very, it would have been super, super common and understood language in the scriptures. So in Jesus' context, you wouldn't have had to explain discipleship. You wouldn't have had to explain what a disciple is. It's, it was very much wired into their culture. That's what we're going to look at today, okay? And hopefully by the end of today, we can answer the question, who is supposed to be discipling me? Because that is, I think, where we really can go wrong and where we get confused in these relationships is, what is it, am I a disciple? And if I'm a disciple, what relational context does that put me in with Jesus and with others around me? And if we can answer that question, so that'll be next week, then we'll talk about what are our relationships with each other. What are those supposed to look like? I think what you'll find is a little bit of freedom from the strange, like, go-get-coffee discipleship kind of culture that we've developed and released into more of what discipleship is actually supposed to uh, look like. So that's kind of our hope. Now, um, I came across, uh, did anybody realize... Uh, well, if you were around here or really anywhere else um, in the United States uh, over the last few weeks, it's been cold, okay? There's a few exceptions, like a few exceptions. Um, if, if you were in any of those exceptions where it was not cold, would you just raise your hand so we can all scorn you and be frustrated? Okay, okay, good, nobody. We were all freezing, okay? So anyway, I came across this video. I thought it was really, 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 really funny. And then I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or not, but... Um, but maybe it was the Holy Spirit that said, there's people that feel like this. So uh, here's the deal. I came across this video, and uh, I just want to just pray for you. Because if this is how your semester has gotten off, uh, has gotten started, which I feel like some of you, maybe it has, we're just going to pray and we're just going to ask God to uh, regain control of things and for us to move smoothly into this semester. So check this video out, and then if you feel like this right now, we're going to pray for you, okay? No, 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 one more time. It's worth another. (laughs) He so almost saves it, y'all. Look at that. Oh, oh, and then, all right. Anybody feel like that at the beginning of a semester where it's like you're walking and it's like, I know exactly what this is going to be like. I'm confident. I have my schedule. I know where my classes are. And then the first day hits and it's like, boom. And then that's where the slipping starts, right? There's that unexpected syllabus where it's like, oh my gosh, 
there's a test next week, right? And then, then the slipping begins, and then it happens, something happens in the next class, and then our break that we thought we, was a break is not really a break. We had that weird online class that we were supposed to check in for, but we really didn't do that, and then the slipping begins, and it gets more chaotic, and then we start swinging our luggage and jacket, and before we know it, at the end of the week, we're down, right? And the mailbox has stopped us before we enter into the street. So maybe, the, maybe church today is your mailbox, <laughs> Right, and it stopped you before you rolled it in the street. So let me just pray for us to start the semester, and then we'll get started. God, um, help us to be your light on our campus. Help us to remember that as maybe as chaotic as the the beginning of semesters um, is, that um, we're not we're ultimately not here just to pursue an education, but that we're here uh, because you have planted us here, and we're here to bring your light to the nations. We're here to be evidence of what the uh, resurrection of Jesus brings to people, that we are life and light, and I pray that you would give us focus. I pray that you would give us energy in our classes. I pray that you would give us focus. Um, God, I pray that you would give us uh, the strength to do what we do with excellence, Uh, But God, more than anything, I just pray that the focus of this semester is you, Jesus, and your kingdom uh, in our city. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's get started. So discipleship, it's disconnected, really the part of our issue and understanding is it's super disconnected from its cultural context. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to connect it a little bit this morning, um, and then I'm going to share a few things with you from there that'll set us up for next week. So we're going to get into the scripture um, and by the way, uh, bef- before I forget, because I'm like looking right at her and I'm going to forget, Abby's getting baptized today. Come on. So we're excited about that. So get loud when she gets ready to jump in. We're trying something new today. She's going she's gonna to jump in from the stairs. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So uh, it's been disconnected uh, from its context, and so it's misunderstood. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to just describe to you some things uh, that will give us a cultural understanding. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take that information, and we're going to look in the scriptures, and I'm, it's just going to kind of show you what I'm talking about. Now, Jesus did things in a different way, and so we're going to talk about what was normal in that culture, and then we're going to go, okay, but here's how Jesus did it, and I think you're going to find some important connections here, okay? So there's scholars kind of agree to and disagree, but the disagreements are slight. The disagreements are in uh, just some minute details of how this worked. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a zoomed out picture of what discipleship was um, in the context of the New Testament. So um, we, we know that, uh, that Jesus was born into a Jewish family, right? So it's so important that when you read the scriptures, that you read it from that context. The Bible was was essentially written the entire thing uh, from a Jewish context, right? From the from the rescue uh, from Egypt to the calling of Abraham, Isaac, and and, and Jacob, the God's establishing of His people. That through the Jewish people, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The Messiah, Messiah, even in 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 that language, um, is a is a Jewish hope for a rescue for a savior. And through the Messiah, Jesus, all the nations of the earth would receive salvation. Gentiles would come to know him, right? So we've got to understand that as we read the scripture, we've got to be asking that question kind of constantly is, what did this look like from that cultural point of view? So here's what discipleship 
kind of was in Jesus's day. Basically, what would happen if you were uh, a Jewish child, all of your education would be based in Torah, okay? So the Torah is the scriptures. It's the Old Testament scriptures and all of your education. So you wouldn't learn um, like math and reading and writing through math, reading and writing books. You would learn it through the scriptures. Everything was based on the scriptures. There was a profound amount of memorization that would go into your education. So from the very beginning of your education, um, you would be educated, most typically you would be educated by a rabbi. Now a rabbi in that day is going to be an expert, kind of the expert in the law, okay? This is the guy that knew the scriptures. The rabbis in that day were, were highly, highly thought of, okay? So the very beginning of the process would be you'd go to school, you'd go to class, the rabbi would be leading the class, and basically the whole design of all of your education is that the Torah would sink deep into your bones, that you would become one with the scripture, where you would, you would eat, sleep, and drink the scripture, you would memorize it, so like by the age of 12 or 13, most children would have memorized the entire Old Testament, Okay? I heard a guy one time say, it's not that, it's not that kids now are, 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 have less capacity. We're just memorizing different things, aren't we? Right? right? We're just memorizing different things. Their whole system of education was going to be based around Torah. So the way that they learned everything was based around the scriptures. Now, uh, you can imagine if that's the case, you're obviously becoming familiar uh, with, the, with the scriptures. And again, there's a profound amount of memorization. So this is how life would begin. Basically, at every stage, so kids matured a whole lot faster than what we see today. You guys are, we're, we're kind of in this really strange day of maturity where now they're like inventing categories of, of people. There was no such thing, back in, there was no such thing as adolescence. You were either a child or an adult. Now we've got adolescence. Now we've got like three categories. I think it's three categories now that people will say of adolescence. There's like beginning, middle, and, and late stage, I think is what they call it, adolescence, right? It's, it's kind of crazy. So now development actually happens way, 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 way slower the way we categorize it now. But for them, you were either a child or you were an adult. So the education process where you went from pursuing your education to pursuing a trade happened a lot faster, okay? So what they would do is that they were looking for, in school, they were looking for the best and the brightest in each stage. So if you proved that you could handle the Torah, let's just say it that way, that you could handle the Torah well, you would move on to the next stage. If at any point you couldn't, that you weren't kind of like that elite top of your class, it wasn't a bad thing, but what it, what it says is, okay, you haven't proven yourself able to kind of move on to this next stage of learning the Torah. It's best for you to go and pursue a trade. And typically what would happen at that point, if I didn't make it, I would be released to pursue a trade and I would go and I would pursue the trade of my father. Okay, that's the way, that's the way it would work. So all kids would kind of get this base level of instruction and then they would start to weed people out. Now, this is kind of where some of the disagreement is, is how many stages was that? But, but typically, kind of, the scholars end up kind of going, okay, there was about three stages. There were three cuts along the way. And the last cut was like 15 and 16, okay? That was kind of the last cut, right? So imagine that, like your school is done. You're at the, at the furthest that you're going to go if you make it the whole way at like 15 and 16. Um, and so... At each, at each level, uh, only the best and the brightest move on. So 
And, and you can imagine if the goal is to immerse yourself, to become one with the Torah, you can imagine that at each stage that's going to get deeper and deeper and deeper, okay? So by the time that you're, if you make it through this system, by the time you're 15 and 16, you, you know the scriptures backwards and forwards. One of the ways that they would test students is through question and answer. It's really cool. It's part of the culture. It's part of the Jewish culture, question and answer. You can see this with Jesus. Jesus responds most of the time. He responds to the religious elite with what? A question. That's rabbinical. Like that's what they would do. That's the way that they would converse. That's the way that they would, that's the way that they would kind of joust with, with the law. Okay, is through question and answer. But basically, what you would do to prove how well you knew the Torah, you would have to uh, you'd have to answer questions uh, with questions, right? So that that, that proved how, how well you knew something. If, if it's one thing to just go, okay, two plus two equals four, right? But it's another for me to say, what's two plus two, and you to say, what's six minus two, right? That shows a different level of understanding, and that's the way that they would converse around the Torah, that you would have to know, uh, a rabbi would, ha- would be able to talk about a scripture, you'd have to know what was before it, what was after it, in order to prove that you knew the context of the scripture, you'd have to be able to qu- ask questions around the context. It was insane, it was super, super, super intense in terms of what they immersed themselves in, and at the last point, you would finish this point of education, and if you kind of cleared this last uh, this last point, like if you, like the SATs, right? If you aced your SATs, you would move on. And moving on was only for those that had the potential to become a rabbi themselves, okay? Now, here's where discipleship starts to, uh, starts to really get into the culture, okay? So now you've got this small group. You've, you've weeded out from, from really from the beginning of education until like 15 or 16. You've weeded people out. Now you've got people that are the elite of the elite in terms of their, uh, their ability to handle the Torah. Now they're ready to become disciples, okay? Here's how that would work. Once I pass that final stage... Now what I've got to do is I've got to survey the landscape of rabbinical teachers around me. So who are the rabbis in my area? And what I've got to make a decision on is I've got to make a decision on who am I going to ask to disciple me? And the way that I would do that is I would go to a rabbi, so the one that I want to follow, and this is a huge deal, because what this is, is I'm leaving home, I'm leaving everything childish behind, and what my goal is, is my goal is to lock myself into whatever this rabbi is doing. I would literally eat, sleep, and drink at the feet of my rabbi. Everything that he did, I would do, right? This is the way I would learn to become, because what I'm doing is I'm becoming like him in every way, right? And so what I would do is I would go to that rabbi, uh, and let's say Mason's a rabbi. He's very, he's very rabbinical anyway, so this works. But let's say Mason's a rabbi. I would go to Mason, and I would say, um, I would ask to become his disciple. And he wouldn't just go, yeah, I like you, man. <laughs> he would begin to ask me questions, And what he would do is right there on the spot, right there when I asked to be his disciple, right there on the spot, he would quiz me. 
And we would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. He would quiz me in the Torah because what he's doing is he's testing me. Because he's not just going to take anybody that asks. The system may have proven that I was the top of the top. But he's going he's gonna to decide and then, and then extend an invitation. So I've gone to him and I said, I want to be your disciple. And now this super intense discussion ensues where we're, we're going back and forth, quizzing each other on the Torah. I'm going toe-to-toe with a rabbi to see the extent of my knowledge in the scriptures, right? If I pass, then he will tell me that I can follow him, okay? He'll extend that invitation. Okay, you've pursued me. I've seen you've proven yourself. You can follow me. And then what it was called is that I would take the yoke of my rabbi. What that means is the yoke, so in, in, in Jewish language, the yoke is the, the way that I interpret the law. It's the, way that I, it's the way that the law becomes life to me. Okay, Here's what the scripture says. My yoke is the way that it applies to life, the way that I interpret it and live it out. So one way we, ways we can understand the yoke is it's the lived interpretation of the law, the Torah, the scriptures. Okay? And what I would begin to do is, the, the, the saying would be that I'm going to take the yoke of my rabbi upon myself. Meaning, I'm going to learn the way that he lives the law, and that's called discipleship. And I would literally follow him around. There's a saying um, in Jewish literature, and we've got it painted in the wall in there if you've ever been into the zone, that says that I pray that you would be covered in the, uh, in the dust of your rabbi. What does that mean? Literally that I'm, they have dirt roads, literally that I'm following him so closely that the dust of the feet uh, that's coming off of his feet would cover me. That's how closely I'm following him. And I would do this for a long period of time until the point that I would be a rabbi myself. I would have taken his yoke upon me. I would be like him in my own context and I would be a rabbi myself, okay? So discipleship is that process. Listen, y'all, y'all tracking? This is important. Discipleship is that last stage process where I take the yoke of my rabbi and I learn to become like him in every way in my own context. I live life as he does, right? That's discipleship. Y'all got it? So it's not a strange word in the scriptures. It's not a strange word at all. Very, very, very connected to uh, to the culture. Now, here's what we got to understand. Okay, so Jesus, now, Jesus is in this system, and you'll even hear people come up to him. Sometimes when people come up to him and address him, what do they call him? They call him rabbi, right? But Jesus was, let me just say, Jesus was a really weird rabbi, okay? There was a lot of really weird rabbis. Jesus was like off the chart. He just did stuff super backwards from the system, okay? I want to just show you a few things. So, remember, that whole process, y'all got that locked in? Like you could teach somebody the process of discipleship? Everybody good? Feeling good? Okay, so let's move on. So here's, here's a few things that I want you to understand. Remember that if you failed, if you didn't even make it, like you didn't make the cut, what would you do? You would go and pursue what? A trade. Most likely, what? Your father's trade, okay? So go to Matthew chapter 4. Okay, Matthew chapter 4. Check this out. This is way cool. So the little title on mine, this section is called Jesus Calls the First Disciples, okay? So verse 18, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, 
casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Stop. What does it tell us? We don't know what happened. We don't know where it happened. But they, they're not like en route to being a rabbi, are they? Like, because what are they doing? They're fishermen. And they're brothers, fishermen, together. So what are they doing? They're pursuing their father's trade, right? They're, they're connected to family. They've picked up the family business and they're fishermen, okay? So that's what they're doing. We need to know that because what does it mean about them? Look at me. They're not the elite, Okay? They are not the elite. And here's what happens. Look at this. 19. And he, speaking of Jesus, and he said to them, listen to these words, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Okay, now verse 20, and we always go, verse 20 is a little bit weird, but look at verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. You disconnect this from discipleship in the Jewish context. You go, that's kind of weird, right? That this stranger would come and they would say, follow me. And then they'd go, okay, and just drop their nets and like just leave their livelihood. And what you hear all the time, and, and, and sad that we don't like connect it, but you hear this is like this extreme faith. Listen, no, it wasn't. It was a big deal that they did that, but this isn't just some blind faith following a stranger. What happened was a rabbi, albeit a very strange one, but a rabbi came and did something totally weird, which was he issued the statement, follow me, without any testing. Zero testing. He just came, and remember what would normally happen. Normally, a student would come to a rabbi and say, I want to be your disciple, and then quizzing would happen. It's not what happened. Jesus went to the the guys that were not the elite of the elite, and he said, look at me. You follow me. And I want to guarantee you, they absolutely dropped their nets. Can you imagine being dropped out of the system, and then a rabbi, like the highest thought of person in their culture, would come and say, you are worthy. Come after me. And they go, yep. (laughs) And they would drop their nets and follow him. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, right? And going after, look at verse 21, and going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And you gotta go, man, I'm I'm telling you, until I learned this, I was reading, I would read that passage and go, golly, that's a mad dad. Right? Like, y'all just gonna quit the work day? Then I I read this, learned this, and was like, oh my gosh, that's the most proud, excited father on the planet in that moment. What did he just hear? Somebody thought my boys were worthy, right? So he's elated. So they just drop their nets and follow him. Listen, go to John chapter 15. So already, now discipleship is a little different the way that Jesus pursues it. So we know that to be a disciple of Jesus is not because you come and choose him, right? What does Jesus do? Jesus calls his own disciples. Jesus came to them and said, listen, you're not measured. Your, your ability to, to take this message, and listen, there's, this is high stakes. This is the good news. This is the gospel. He's calling the disciples. These are the people that after his resurrection would take this message to the entire world. Y'all hear me? 
Like this isn't just some, hey, come hang out with me. This is super high stakes. This is the advance of the kingdom of God in all of the nations. And Jesus goes to those that the system has already said, nah, not really good enough. Your talent, your effort, your whatever, your status, your, your, your birth, whatever is, is not good enough. You're not good enough. Go and pursue a father's trade. Jesus goes to those people and says, come and follow me. He's equipping those people to take the gospel to the ends of of the earth. Now look at John 15. This is super important, all right? I say that and you're like, okay, Kendall, everything in the Bible is super important. Whatever, sarcastic. I'm just kidding. All right. Here we go. This is John 15 and we're going to be in verse 12. This is my commandment. This is red who's speaking. Jesus, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Look at 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should uh, go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in, uh, ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Okay, listen again. You did not choose me. Listen, but I chose who? You. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I came to you and said, follow me. You didn't come to me because you were, you were spiritually right enough. You didn't come to me because your background said you ought to follow that Jesus guy. You didn't, none of those things happened. I came to you, looked you in the eye and said, drop everything, come after me. Why? Why would Jesus say, follow me? What is he calling? Disciples. What is a disciple? Someone that becomes exactly like their rabbi. What was Jesus calling these men to do? Be like him in every way. He was calling them to come and take his yoke upon them. And at once they left their nets. Why? To be exactly like him. And what does that mean for us? Because it means something for us. First of all, it means this, that there is nothing that you can do to qualify you to be a disciple of Jesus. Nothing. You can't act right enough. You can't perform well enough, even in the good Christian things. You, you cannot create a status for yourself that makes you worthy of being his disciple because Jesus doesn't choose that way. Jesus doesn't choose based on performance. Jesus creates an invitation based on grace that has nothing to do with whatever you came from, but has everything to do with what you're willing to say in response to his invitation that says, follow me. Y'all with me? And look at this. He's calling you, listen, (laughs) to do what? To be like him. What does that mean about you? This is huge. It means that Jesus believes that there's hope in you and me, that he actually thinks this might work, right? Y'all tracking? 
It's not just to make you feel better. Jesus doesn't come and say, hey, follow me because I really need you to feel good about yourself. That's not the case. Jesus says, come and follow me because he believes that if you will say yes to that, it's called salvation, and you will follow him. If you'll leave your nets and follow him, he will put himself inside of you, his life inside of you, and what will happen? You will be like him in every way. And if you're like him in every way, where will the gospel go? Wherever you are. Look at me. Don't disqualify yourself. Jesus has issued the call to all. He's looked each one of us in the eye and said, follow me. That invitation has come not because you earned it, but it's come because he is so good. And he loves you so much. And his grace is that big that he would issue the call to even me. That if I would say yes, Jesus would put his life inside of me that I might be his disciple. That he's willing to make me exactly like he is. That's why these statements that Jesus, he tells the disciples, you're uh, going to do greater things than I even did. And we go, what? Why would Jesus say that? Because what are they? Disciples. He's making them like him. So it's not a strange statement for a rabbi to say, what I'm going to do and put in you, you're going to carry it and make it more. That's not an odd thing, and Jesus is still doing that. He's still calling us as disciples for greater things, for the advance of the kingdom. Now, look at Matthew 11, because there's some qualifications. Oh, here we go. Here's where the guy says, oh, yeah, yeah, it sounded all good, and now there's qualifications. These, are, these are, might be interesting to you. So remember, what did you have to do to be a disciple? You had to take the rabbi's what? Come on, one person responded to that question. Yoke. Everybody say, yoke. Okay, okay, sorry. We're turning in our Bible. Stop getting angry. Matthew 11. Okay, to be a disciple, you had to take on the yoke of your rabbi. Now listen. This is huge. So there's qualifications. His yoke has qualifications. He's going to create an invitation. All right? You guys are going to really get into this in your life groups. All right? I told you 11, didn't I, Matthew 11? All right. Um, go, just, let's just start at 25. I, it's probably not on the screen, but let's start on 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Okay, here's the qualifications. Look at verse 28. Come to me. Listen, stop. Make that discipleship language. What is that? Follow me. It's an invitation, okay? See it. Don't, don't, don't miss that. It's just huge. You've got to understand what he's saying. Come to me, all who, what? Labor, and then there's one more thing. And are heavy laden. Okay? Some, some versions say, uh, come to me, all who are weary, and burdened, okay? That's a strange discipleship invitation. If you were to imagine any other rabbi in that context, they would say, come to me, those who are brilliant and ready, right? 
come to me, those who are, those who are educated and wise. Come to me, those who are shrewd. Come to me, that, right? We would think of a bunch of different things. If you were picking a team, you would pick different people than the weary and heavy laden, right? Just like you would pick different people than the dropout fishermen, right? Jesus does things a little different. This is a little bit different kind of rabbi, right? And he says, he creates a discipleship invitation that says, come to me all who are weary, labor, and are uh, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, check this out, all right? Hopefully, your mind just goes, yes. Look at verse 29. Take my, what is it? Don't miss it this time, friends. Yoke. Now, we know for absolute certainty this is an invitation to discipleship. He says, come to me and take on my yoke. He's inviting you into discipleship. And in order to do that, what do we have to do? To be a disciple, we have to take the, the, almost, the yoke, <laughs> the yoke of our rabbi. And he says, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. Stop. Is that you? Listen, that's the invitation. And, and here's, here's, this is a strange filter because if you in your mind are still going, actually, no, that's not me. I am one of the elite. I don't need him. You're not ready. This is, this is a backwards way of doing things, but the kingdom, if you haven't learned, the kingdom is a little bit backwards, right? To, to live, you have to die, and so on and so on. To be first, you have to be last. We talk about this all the time. The kingdom is a little bit backwards, and you're not ready until you're done thinking that you're enough. See, that's the thing about sin. Sin deceives us into believing that we are capable on our own. The root of sin, how many of you were here last semester? We know what sin is. Sin is idolatry of self. It is, it's rooted in Lucifer looking at himself, beholding his own glory and saying, I can be like God. That same lie has been transferred down and down and down. You and I have believed it. We have become slaves of ourselves. And it's not until we check out of that line of thinking, hear Jesus' invitation and go, you know what? I think I am weary and heavy laden. I think I am tired of being a slave to my own passions and desires, as Paul would say. And I think I am ready to receive the yoke of this rabbi. I think I am ready to step into discipleship. If you're not just totally sick and tired of pursuing your own way, this call is not for you yet. But if you're at the end of yourself, if sin has worn you down to nothing and you've recognized its power and you're, and you're going, yeah, I can't, no matter what I try, even in my greatest successes, there's no fulfillment. What you're finding is you're coming to the end of yourself. And now we start to listen to this rabbi that would say, come to me all who are labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Listen, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? Because I am gentle and lowly at heart and you will find rest in your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on, you've got to hear this. You, you've got to connect with what he's saying. If you're at the end of yourself, come, follow me. Because you, to follow me, you're going to be a disciple. I'm going to make you like me. But my yoke is easy, my burden is light. All these other guys, all these other rabbis are saying, it's all these strict demands. You've got to do this. You've got to perform. You've got to be the best of the best of the best. That's not the way I do it. The way I do it is that I bring you in and I make you like me by me being me in you. 
And all you have to do in order for that to happen is rest in me and my power. That's why my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You will fulfill the law in me because I'll fulfill the law in you. I'm out of breath. Are y'all good? This is such good news. And this is so different from what everybody else was saying. What Jesus is offering to you and to me is that discipleship relationship. First, you gotta be, you gotta be at the end. You can't do this one foot in and one foot out. You can't do this with some idea that you are still good enough yourself. To repent is to turn completely. And repentance is required in salvation. It means we've got to go. I cannot do this on my own turn and follow him. And I'm over time, so here's the deal. That's what discipleship was in this context. That's what discipleship still is. Now, here's the question. And this is, this is one that Melina and I were like really wrestling with as we were working through this. But that was so light bulb to me is, listen, if you say yes to that call, if you, if you like hear Jesus and some of you in the room, and you have the opportunity in life group, we're going to extend that opportunity. If you're going, yeah, weak, weary, heavy laden, I want rest for my soul. Like I need to take on a yoke that is easy and a burden is light. I'm interested in following Jesus. Please stay here after and we'll chat. Okay, you listen to me. that's you, step into that relationship. But if you have, if you're going, yeah, I've done that. I've followed Jesus. I've given him my life. I'm a Christian. You're really, whose disciple are you? Okay, look at me. I love you. I'm not trying to trick you. <laughs> Y'all are like, oh, he does that all the time. <laughs> Don't answer. Hold out. He'll answer it for you, especially when he's this hyped up. Right? <laughs> Right? Whose disciple are you? That's right. So much of our confusion has come because we've called ourselves disciple makers. Now, you're going, okay, now wait a minute. Great commission, man. Go and make disciples. I get it. Go and make disciples of who? Jesus. Part of our issue in discipleship relationships is that we're trying to figure out how to make disciples of us. And we may not say that because that sounds really heretical and look at me, it is. (laughs) But we we get so intimidated in these relationships with one another because that's what we're trying to do. You're a disciple of Jesus. And here's what the scripture would say, that he's put himself in you. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in you. Why? To make you like him in every way. The Spirit of God is in you. And what does Jesus promise of the Spirit? That he's the helper. He'll lead you into all truth. Like he is your disciple maker. The Spirit is God, is Jesus, and he lives in you. And he is reworking everything in you to line up with the person of Jesus. He is discipling you, making you like him. So what we've got to change our viewpoint on, this is two weeks down the road. Next week, what we're going to talk about is how do I, how am I a disciple of Jesus? Because most of the time, all I've ever talked about when I learned about discipleship is how to go to coffee and do Bible studies, right? Y'all tracking? What does it look like to be Jesus' disciples? Because here's the deal. If it was that weird just to get in, it's still weird after you're in, (laughs) right? 
Jesus doesn't make disciples like the culture made disciples. He does this in a, in a really cool, profound, life-giving way with his life and his spirit on the inside of us. What does it look like to be discipled by Jesus with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us? That's next week. And then the week after that, we're going to go, okay, now how do we do this together? Okay? Okay? Y'all tracking? Smile. We're late. Okay? Which means I need you to, to be less social and move. All right, listen, listen. But we got we to pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for this, this powerful truth. Thank you that you did not extend an invitation of discipleship to me because I performed well. In fact, you found me. You said, Kendall, follow me on the day when I was, when I was least worthy. When I was full of sin. When I was in complete rebellion to you, you looked at me and said, come, follow me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's how big and how good your grace is. And I pray that those in this room today that have never heard that would hear that call from you today. And I pray that you would just absolutely break us of our dependence on ourselves. Because there's some in here that are still going, no, I got this. Break us from that. That we would receive your call to discipleship. As we pray for salvation and we pray that you would teach us how to be disciples of Jesus. Pray that you would teach us how to be in relationship with you in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.